Jamie, the NCAA uh, today announced they're forming a study committee to uh, see how potentially student-athletes can uh, benefit uh, from their name, image, uh, likeness. Is this a good move in your mind? Well, I think it's a good move to have a, a committee start to look and think through what that could possibly look like. Um, you know, like most things, it's complicated, and the devil's usually in the detail. Um, but it's, uh, it's the right time to kind of roll up sleeves and start to look at that. To those of us that aren't uh, directly involved in college athletics on a day-to-day basis, uh, what all needs to be included in that particular discussion? Well, I think um, the first part is just having a discussion of what's reality, okay? And, you know, and so reality is um, what is the real market out there because I know what it's like to sell sponsorships, okay? And when you're trying to sell sponsorships, the sponsors want tickets, they want access, they want TV exposure, and so if a student athlete is just out doing that and they can't wear their jersey, they don't have any tickets to give, um, they don't have any television to give, they're just selling their name, um, there's probably not many student athletes that most people would be willing to even pay to do that. And, you know, you can kind of look at, like, the G League and the, that football league that just folded up, you know, that there's just there's not as big a market. I mean, I get it for Zion Williamson. There's a huge market, but for 124 of our 125 football players, there's probably not much of a market. The challenge, though, I think lies in is if that rule gets passed, and I'm not saying it shouldn't, but the devil being in the detail will be that kids then will expect when they come to a school that they're going to be assured they're going to earn X. And so then you start thinking about that and going, well, how do you implement that? So then we're going to start going to sponsors and saying, well, instead of paying the school, you need to pay these athletes. Well, as soon as that starts happening, you're going to start saying, well, we don't have any money to pay the coaches, or we don't have any money to build facilities. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I'm not saying it shouldn't happen, but I think that's what's got to happen in the discussion is to have more reality brought. Because right now it's just pie in the sky, you know. Well, pay them. Well, okay, who's paying them? Yeah. And who's coordinating getting them paid? You know, so are they all going to come to college now with agents? And is a sponsor not going to pay them if they don't score a touchdown? You know, and so you just start, it's not as simple as it sounds. Earlier this week, uh, Governor Reynolds uh, signed a bill that uh, legalized uh, sports gambling in the state. Uh, Looks like it's going to be a reality uh, by football season. As a college athletic director, what's your reaction to that? Well, you know, my initial reaction is, uh, you know, I wasn't really for it. But I also wasn't against it because I looked at it and just, it was going to happen, right? You can read the tea leaves. So, you know, be on the right side of the argument. And so for me, um, and, and Gary Barta, had the, we talked about it and had the same plan, which was, well, you're not going to stop it, but how can we try to control it better? And so one of the things that got implemented in the state of Iowa, which was really good, is there's no prop betting. There's no betting on a student athlete. You can bet on an outcome of a team but you're not going to be able to bet on whether this athlete scores 20 points or this athlete misses that free throw. Because if, if you go down that path, you really set yourself up probably for some really tough impropriety situations where somebody would, you know, take money to throw a game and, and you know, that's a slippery slope. So um, I'm pleased where they came out on it with the bill. Um, I wish we didn't have it because I do think it also has some other challenges, but you know, that was going to happen, so we're ready for it. I know the Big 12 uh, signed a new uh, television deal, and uh, with that deal, uh, ESPN Plus kind of becomes a digital network uh, for the conference. That being said, what's uh, the future of Cyclones.tv? Well, um, 
the, the core of Cyclones.tv will stay intact because we have to produce all the content for ESPN+. Plus. So our Cyclones.tv staff will still do everything they're currently doing. Uh, just when we return to that, which will be a year from now, 2020 for Iowa State, um, you know, the, the, the screen won't say Cyclones.tv, it'll say ESPN+. Plus. But it'll be the same people that are producing it, same voices on it. So um, from that perspective, not a lot of difference. The biggest difference for us will be on Cyclones.tv, um, the live sports will no longer be able to be on Cyclones.tv or Mediacom because those rights go to ESPN+. We can do replays of all the games and we can do coaches shows and all our other content, but actual live games uh, for the sports that we were doing, which is really women's basketball, volleyball, wrestling, football, basketball is going to have no change because that's all on the linear channel. So... Um, and then as far as Mediacom, we're, we're hopeful. I mean, we haven't sat down with them yet. Mediacom's been an awesome partner for us. We hope we can continue to have them be a partner and that we can continue to have that linear channel that will just, it won't have the live competition, but it will have all the replays and coaches' shows and all the other stuff. Where are we heading uh, with media rights with the changing face of how we're consuming sports content? Well, if anybody could answer that question truthfully, um, we would all still say they're lying because <laughs> it's such a moving target, you know. And we're all, everybody's trying to get their arms around it, including the media partners, because it, you know it's clear younger people want to you know consume it on their digital devices, but um, also the media partners haven't figured out how to monetize that at a level that you know is anywhere near what the linear model was. Um, and you know, I I look at it more from a historical perspective and go, you know, originally you just only got stuff on radio. And then you got it on radio and free TV. And then cable TV came along and everybody said that would kill radio and free TV. Well, you know, the Super Bowl still was on free TV, right? So this is just gonna be another iteration of that. And there'll just be another space where, you know, live content showing up. And when you uh, look at, conference realignment uh, talk we haven't seen a lot of that uh, lately uh, is that pretty much on the back burner uh, right now in your mind it's clearly not on the front burner um, you know it the discussions that most of the conference people are having are more focused around uh, you know the issues of name likeness and image um, college football playoff and you know what's the television landscapes going to look like for the next you know in 2024-25 um, you know, realignment, I think there was such pain felt back seven, eight years ago when we went through all of that, that I think a lot of leaders today just are a little more conscious of not wanting to repeat that. Um, at the same time, I think we're going through a process related to college football playoff that bigger is maybe not better. You know, the Big Ten just came out with the statement from their ADs that said, because they've been shut out of it the last three years, their champion that, you know, does, they, does it need to expand? Or as some of us have said, do they need to shrink? You know, because they've created a model where they had their champion not get picked for the, you know, the last three years. So why is that? And so I think that that's more of the discussion than realignment. And just one final quick question. Uh, outside looking in, you've created a family type of environment in your athletic department. All the coaches kind of promote each other uh, via social media or promote promotions like when you tried to fill the arena for wrestling, it was all the other coaches uh, promoting Kevin's program. How important is that to you as an AD, and how do you maintain that? Well, it's, it's critical at a school like Iowa State because um, you know facilities and budgets matter. 
but we're never going to have the biggest budget and never have the best facilities. But we can have the best people. And so working on the, keeping a constant focus on the culture of our people and having people in our department that are all doing exactly what you just said, pulling for one another, is our secret sauce. And if we lose that secret sauce, then you know we become average at best, probably below average, because um, we're not going to pay the most, and we're not going to be able to have the, the absolute best facilities when you're comparing ourselves to, you know, a Stanford or an Oklahoma or a Texas. Yet we're expecting to compete with those schools, and so you know this year we've had our best year ever, and a large part of that is because we got a great group of people that uh, have proven that you know people can make a difference.